is their job to do what they need to do. But at the end of the day, do we know that they know that these policies are racist? Can they identify which ones are racist? Can they themselves speak up for their own community? Because some of them do live in Tampa and whatnot. Um, <laughs> some of them. Um, but yeah. Most don't. Most <laughs> but don't. Democratically elected, great. But again, it needs to be have public oversight, and that's not only law enforcement, but every aspect of our communities. Accountability, right. yeah. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, our charter does not allow for that now, so if we wanted to do that, we'd have to change the, the city's charter. Um, right now, it has the mayor being able to appoint and city council approves. Um, but again, as an approval process, there's nothing to say that city council can't... I mean, Can't demand. Put a stop to some or, or yeah. Makes, yeah. Well, and and but that's a, that's exactly it. You have to look at how people voted. Mm. You have to look and see. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. China's defense ministry is criticizing the U.S. decision to shoot down a balloon spotted floating across the U.S., calling the use of force an overreaction. The incident has provoked furor on both sides. Here's NPR's Emily Fang reporting. China's defense ministry said Sunday it, quote, reserved the right to use any means necessary to respond to the U.S.'s shooting down of its balloon. China continues to insist the balloon was a civilian airship used primarily for research and not the surveillance vehicle U.S. defense officials say it almost certainly was. A U.S. F-22 fighter jet shot down the balloon off the coast of South Carolina this weekend, a move China condemned, saying it, quote, violated international practice. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken canceled a Sunday trip to Beijing. It was a trip meant to stabilize the U.S.-China relationship, which instead has only worsened. Emily Fang, Pure News. President Biden says he approved the downing of the balloon and followed the advice of military officials by waiting to bring it down over water rather than risk debris falling on populated areas. One South Carolina resident who witnessed the fighter jet fire on the balloon said she did not anticipate being in a Top Gun movie. A state of emergency remains in effect and a federal investigation is underway following Friday night's freight train derailment in eastern Ohio. NPR's Maria Andrusovich reports a derailment caused a massive fire and a series of explosions. The National Transportation Safety Board arrived Saturday afternoon to investigate the derailment, which involved 50 train cars, 20 of which contained hazardous materials. The contents of all the cars is not known, but several were carrying vinyl chloride, a carcinogen. East Palestine Mayor Trent Conaway says more than 50 fire departments from three states responded to the accident. Residents have been evacuated from the area. It's unclear when it will be safe for them to return. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention officials say they are concerned that the state of Tennessee has decided to refuse federal funding for HIV prevention. Blake Farmer of member station WPLN reports part of the state is considered a national hotspot for transmission. When word got out that Tennessee was walking away from $8 million, Governor Bill Lee said the state would spend its own money on HIV prevention, but now the priority would be first responders, mothers and children, and victims of human trafficking. However, it's young black men who have sex with men at highest risk in Tennessee. Dr. Ima Ahankai of Vanderbilt says they've been marginalized since the early days of HIV. It's feels really difficult to say that we haven't learned these lessons already as a country. Declining the federal money will also help Tennessee cut off funding to Planned Parenthood, which used some of this CDC money for condom distribution. For NPR News, I'm Blake Farmer in Nashville. And you're listening to NPR News. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says Ukrainian troops are facing a difficult fight on the front lines in the eastern part of the country. He says Russia is sending more and more troops into the battle for three heavily contested towns in the Donetsk region, including Bakhmut, where fierce fighting is ongoing. In the northeastern city of Kharkiv, Russian missile attacks hit the city center today. Local officials say at least three people were hurt. Pakistan's former military ruler, Pervez Musharraf, has died at a hospital in Dubai after a prolonged illness. He was 79 years old. Imperistia Hadid reports from Islamabad on Musharraf's death. 
Pakistani military officials immediately issued their condolences, as did many politicians who remain steadfastly loyal to the four-star general who seized power of the country in a coup in 1999. Musharraf was forced to step down nearly 10 years later amid widespread protests. He was later sentenced to death by a Pakistani court for treason. He fled the country, never to return. Musharraf will be best remembered for his alliance with the United States during its war on terror following 9-11. But it came alongside constant suspicion that Musharraf's Pakistan was also aiding the Taliban. Dia Hadid, NPR News, Islamabad. Beyonce could break a music industry record when the Grammy Awards are handed out tonight in Los Angeles. She has won 28 Grammys over her career and could break the all-time record of 31. She's heading into the ceremony with nine nominations. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Charles Stewart Mott Foundation, supporting efforts to promote a just, equitable, and sustainable society in its hometown of Flint and communities around the world. More at Mott.org. WMNF is your community radio station. This means we are nonprofit and we don't play commercials. Keep us commercial free and support your favorite shows like mine, the Sunday Forum, by donating. You can even do it now before our next pledge drive on February the 22nd. Click the tip jar at WMNF.org. This is Steve, the hitman, host of the Soul Party on Friday nights on WMNF. Join me at Skipper Smokehouse on Friday, February the 10th, as we enjoy the Harlem Gospel Travelers. I am a sinner, only saved by grace. You clean me up, I've never been the same. With fans like Elton John and all music praising their new album as Dreamlike and Joyous, the Harlem Gospel Travelers are a dazzling vocal trio you don't want to miss. The Harlem Gospel Travelers, February the 10th at Skipper Smokehouse. Buy your tickets now at WMNF.org. Hey, it's Christina Ali with a WMNF public service announcement. The Morian Arts Center presents Iconic, Portrait Edition. Itself an iconic St. Petersburg organization, the Morian Arts Center has been supporting and engaging the local creative community since 1917. This fundraiser supports the Morian's mission of connecting people with art on Saturday, February 25th from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. At Iconic, Portrait Edition, you may witness the portraits of three local icons being created live as nine talented artists compete head-to-head for a variety of prizes. Watch the creative process from start to finish, then vote for your favorite artist portrait in the People's Choice Awards at the end of the evening. More information and tickets, visit www.moreanartcenter.org backslash iconic. That is M-O-R-E-A-N-A-R-T-S-C-E-N-T-E-R dot O-R-G backslash I-C-O-N-I-C. See you on the 25th. Hi, this is Doug from the Volunteer Committee. WMNF is member-supported, volunteer-powered community radio. Have you ever thought of becoming a radio activist? If so, you can register to be a volunteer on WMNF.org under the Support tab. You can help out with our next membership drive. It begins on February 22nd and goes through March 1st. Stay tuned to hear about training sessions for phone answering, tally, and other volunteer tasks during our marathon. Becoming an active volunteer helps you know what opportunities can be found both in and outside of WMNF, such as concerts, outreach events, and especially fun drives. Thanks. Hi, this is Miss Julie. Our week-long winter membership drive begins at 9 a.m. on Wednesday, February 22nd, and goes through 9 a.m. on Wednesday, March 1st. We're seeking volunteers to take pledge calls, tally people to track funds coming in, and food donors to help feed those hungry and grateful volunteers. Restaurants, caterers, or chefs can find out more about donating drinks, snacks, or full meals by calling me at 813-238-8001 or email m-i-s-s-j-u-l-i-e at w-m-n-f dot o-r-g. I can also help get you registered to volunteer for the fun drive. Thanks!
Sunday Forum, WMNF Tampa. We are back. We are back. And this is the sound of Talib Kweli right here on the Sunday Forum. WMNF 88.5 Tampa. over the market like crazy just use it for 15 minutes per day to burn fat like a f frank chapman is the field organizer and educational director of the chicago alliance against racist and political repression let me welcome frank i want to really thank the speakers that came before me <clears throat> i've really been enlightened today <clears throat> there's a lot of things i thought i knew i'm 74 years old so i think i know some things but i uh was happily informed about some things I didn't know, um, or that I've forgotten. I want to be real specific because I don't have that much time, so I'm going to speak to you as an organizer and, and an agitator, which is what I do most of my time anyway. I want to talk to you about a current pressing issue that everyone sitting here can get involved in by just simply getting involved in it. I know why King was killed. That was an act of repression. I know why Malcolm X was killed. I know my, why Megger Evers was killed. I know why Bunchy Carter, the Black Panther Party, was killed. I know why Fred Hampton and Mark Clark were murdered in Chicago in their beds because they were being activists. They were trying to change this system that was destroying people on a daily basis. That's why they were killed. That's called political repression. That's what brought our organization into existence. We were formed in 1973 in this city in the wake of the Angela Davis victory. So what has changed? Laquan McDonald was not a political activist, yet he was shot 16 times. He was mentally challenged. And I can name about 2,000 other cases, because that's how many we got here in Chicago and in this nation of police shooting down unarmed people without provocation except what comes out of their mouth, because the dead don't talk. But we saw a video of Laquan McDonald, so he didn't have to talk. 
We saw him walking away and we saw him being brutally murdered by a police officer who still has not been brought to justice. Okay? So now, you have an opportunity to do something about that. Because we currently have in the city council a bill, record number 02016-5707 for an all-elected Civilian Police Accountability Council. That means that we, the people in the community, will be able to say who polices our communities and how our communities are police. Don't tell me nothing about no black-on-black -black crime. Don't tell me nothing about none of that if we're not controlling how our communities are policed because we know why the crime is what it is in our community. We know why 70% of the homicides in this city are unsolved. Because the police and the drug dealers and the drug slingers are all in cahoots. We see it every day on the corners with the gym shoe boys. We see the police getting their payoffs. We've seen crack houses with lines that go around the corner. So we don't need more police. We need community control of the police that we got. <laughs> On that note, I brought some flyers. All right. And that was Frank Chapman in 2015. Um, and right now, uh, CPAC, our Civilian Police Accountability Council, has been um, there was a concession in the community and now it's called ECPS and that has been has gone through and right now they're in the process of uh, getting all of the people who are going to be on the board um, elected and they just finished up their election season so it's really getting started with that and once again Frank Chapman is a um, political activist and a political prisoner himself and um, I think that leads perfectly into our next se segment because um, Frank Chapman was someone who had to take the plea because he did not want to be sentenced to the death penalty if he was found guilty. Um, and here in Florida, uh, we saw Janet Cruz, um, one of the opponents of Lynn Hertek, um, institute or try to push through the um, Florida legislative process, a bill that would hide the identities of the companies and the names of the drugs uh, used on people on d death row here in Florida. And we know from Frank Chapman's experience and many other people's experience that uh, death row isn't always, <laughs> isn't the solution at all for a lot of these people. It's something that they did not, um, had no choice in getting there. Something they may have been falsely accused of. You know, it's a system that is truly built against them and to hide the identity of the companies that profit off of this a monstrous thing, to hide the identity of, and to, um, of the people and to um, not say what the drugs being used are is absurd and ridiculous because a lot of the times those drugs don't work right away. And those people have to sit there suffering knowing that they are dying but they can't do anything because they've been paralyzed. So they just sit there and wait and wait for the inevitable to come, which is horrific and brutal. And they just sat maybe, what, 30 plus years in prison, probably in and out of solitary confinement, which does a number to the person. Solitary confinement, being in the hole, being in prison, the way it's set up now is horrific. It's not something that we need and we need our children going through because that's what happens is children are not set up for success. So they get tumbled into the system and they have to spend the rest of their lives dealing with the cards that they were dealt like Frank Chapman and try to make what's best out of it and have a lot of luck because it's not something that you can avoid just by being smart. Right. Right. So, so, uh, we um, do have a caller yeah, on the line. Yeah, let, let's let's take let's take the call. Let's All take right. the call, and we'll go back to Miss okay. Hertz. Caller, you're on the Sunday forum. Uh, good morning, good Daryl. Good morning. How you doing, man? Good morning, Daryl. Yeah, I really just wanted to uh, call in to say, uh, you know, to Miss Miko, that we're gonna miss you. Uh, the new station that you're on, at least, are they in this market? Yeah, it's in the it's in Tampa. Okay. Well, we we're gonna uh, miss you. And remember when I first. Calling in, you were a call screener. I, see, see, I told you. <laughs> yeah, you have the gift. A wonderful radio voice. Glad Walter 
got you out of that shell. God got you. <laughs> Thank but, you. Uh, I'm I'm just learning about Mr. Chapman and uh, yeah, um, um, Black History, which is really American history. I mean, despite Ron DeSantis, you know, and I was there through what Martin Luther King said: "Truth, though it be crushed to the ground, shall rise again." Absolutely, it's going to rise again. Absolutely. That's all I wanted to say. And uh, hey, um, I hope you do be able to come back, Mister Mika. Yes, I, I will definitely try to. And thank you, Daryl, for you know you calling in all these years and being a loyal supporter. Thank you. Wow, all these years now. now all these years now, man. All these years now. <laughs> this snow on on the top of my. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I'm gonna say. Okay. All right, y'all have a good morning. All right, all right, brother. Peace. Let's let's go to the next caller. <laughs> okay, caller, you're on the Sunday forum. Yeah, Uhuru. Uhuru, what's going on, brother? What's going on, brother African? I just really want to appreciate the program. Uh, first and foremost, I appreciate the guest. I just want to make a comment on a few things I heard. Number one, uh, you said something about police having uh, like extra protection. Oh, no, I think protection that people don't have, right? Well, that's the case. Every day they walk around the street openly carrying guns <laughs> that they use to you know, shoot us down. You know, uh, if, we, if we were able to you know, have that level of protection ourselves, I mean, you know, maybe we wouldn't be sitting ducks for them so often. That's just, you know, um, one thing. It's, just, it's not just and uh, the law doesn't make it uh, advantageous for police just in, in some kind of courtroom situation, but every day where we live uh, under constant police uh, domination and containment, you know, they always have the ups. Uh, you know, as we said before, our political power comes from the battle of the gun. And, uh, you know, as we roll up on these elections, I, I can't, uh, you know, I'd be remiss not to recall, you know, Malcolm explaining to us that there, you know, there's more than one way to vote. Uh, you know, uh, Malcolm said the ballot or the bullet that's when people's socialist party and the Black is Black Coalition for Social Justice, Peace, and Reparations. There's the ballot and the bullet. And, uh, you know, so politics is, is, you know, more than just the ballot box and the vote. There's another V word uh, that goes along with, uh, uh, you know, politics. I always have. And, uh, like, the bald head guy used to say about seven up, I think I always will. Uh, anyway, um, the other thing I would say is that we talk about <laughs> Jane Casper. Uh, you know, it's, it's you know awkward to hear people mention her and transparency in the same sentence. There's never been anything <laughs> transparent about uh, you know disaster Jane Castor. Anything Jane Castor has uh, agrees with or approves of has always been bad for the black community. You know, uh, biking wild black, uh, the police chief. Uh, you know, the decision to murder Arthur Green Jr. taking away uh, an icon and a patriarch in our community. I mean, you know, everything, everything Jane Castor said is all right. It's bad for black people, you know, and I, I can't imagine it's any different than this water, uh, this, I think this just called it poop water, that, uh, you know, she's trying to shove down people's throats. It's going to be bad for black people to gain caster uh, for it, and maybe African people ought to be aware of that to the point um, that it helps them make an informed decision. And lastly, I would say that um, the power is always in our hands to, to, to change our circumstances. It's, it's uh, there's nothing wrong with making sure that we can survive. We don't owe anybody any explanation about doing everything we can to survive. And so I just want to encourage people to, uh, you know, join organizations that are geared towards surviving. Uh, you know, it's not just uh, the, the ballot box that's going to save us. We, we have to organize and do things for ourselves. I really appreciate your allowing me to share. Hey, man, absolutely. And, and, and by the way, by the way, Brother African, let me tell you this. I appreciate you um, coming out, it, people have been talking about that, man. I really, really appreciate you coming out. You made a real well, impact. Say, say something after coming out real fast, though, because that has a different kind of connotation these days. So don't just say I came out with this. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, brother. No, 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 no. Uh, participating in. I just say participating in <laughs> participating in the uh, the environmental justice events, man. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. It's very important. Yeah. You know, oh, man, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to say one more thing uh, about what the guest said. She said, uh, uh, she mentioned about uh, this ecosystem. Oh, the main reason that stuff is happening. Well, the main reason stuff is happening, no matter if you talk about the ecology of the aquifers, the ecology of the Atlantic Ocean, uh, you know, all, all this stuff is based on the mode of production. Chairman O'Malley used to tell the teachers this all the time. 
the mode of production, which is colonial capitalism in this in this country and in, yeah. in the world. Uh, you know, uh, white people have instituted this mode of production called colonial capitalism. That you know, it's, it's been said that the capitalists will sell you the rope to hang them with. Everything is about uh, the colonial domination. So we can't just. I mean, I guess we can spin our wheels trying to overturn this uh, aspect, uh, this symptom of colonial. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the mode of the colonial mode of production. But the reality is, we all would benefit from shutting down this uh, and overturning this, uh, this this colonial mode of production. That's been nothing but uh, disastrous. Uh, almost, uh, yeah, they're running neck and neck with Dane Castor as far as disaster is concerned. So we, uh, you know, we gotta be focused on overturning the colonial mode of production right. if we want to solve any of these problems. So I just wanna. Absolutely, 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 Brother African. Thank you very much, man. Right on. All right. Peace, brother. Uh, what, he, what he said is, is very real with regard to who runs the, these, these industrialized operations. We talk about industrialized operations quite often on the show. And the fact that, you know, the majority of black and brown people live near mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, industrialized operations. If we go into East Ebor, for instance... Mm -hmm. Uh, I usually give this as an example. In East Ebor, the end of 12th Avenue is an actual TECO power plant where people have, have claimed that because of that power plant, the people who live in, the, in that street, five, at least five people that they know of, I, have, I did interviews with people that were there, at least five people they know of got cancer mm -hmm. and died. And so this, and, and this is not just isolated to that, mm -mm. but there are several instances. What has, what has, what what I've been fighting for, and I hope to get it done this year, is to do, um, is to actually get testing done in those communities that are frontline communities to be able to make those connections that need to be made in order to be able to give the data, provide data that's necessary in order to fight against those particular um, industries that continue in that bad path. You know what I'm saying? So Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's historically, that's all over the country. Right. All over the world, actually. Right. Um, I mean, you you just seeing, uh, it, it's, it's really about folks who have, um, who can organize to stop those things versus communities that can't. Mm -hmm. And that often goes with uh, power and money. Right, right. And, and, and matter of fact, uh, I was communicated a friend of mine named Eric Crown, uh, who did a documentary called Phosphate, P-H-O-S-F-A-T-E, uh, is going to be doing a screening on March 3rd. So we're going to find out more about that and put that information out there. A very good friend of mine, he is terminally ill, um, but he has been a real warrior out there actually doing these things himself, you know, with a crew. And in his condition, I don't even know how he does it. I have no idea how he does it. Um, but shout out to Eric Crown uh, for being a real warrior out there and everything that you do, Eric, if you're watching. We love you, brother. Um, then you have uh, uh, folks out there that are, that are trying to do this type of stuff to get get clarification on how we can get more respect. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like these people do things um, in these industries uh, that are clearly disrespectful to communities, <laughs> clearly human rights violations, clearly that's what they are, right? And, and when we look at uh, we look at things like the cemetery situation, so I'm gonna bring that up, mm -hmm. okay? So we look at the cemetery, the memorial cemetery situation, and the other cemetery situations, but this one in particular takes a really nasty turn. Why? Because the because uh, uh, we have a situation where the city had an opportunity to get this cemetery and do something about it, but but bid low. And the person who actually bought it came in high. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, I just have a, I have a real bad taste in my mouth about this thing. I, I don't disagree, but we're in the middle of lawsuits, so mm -hmm. I can't speak too much more about it. Gotcha. But I... 100% agree. How we how that happened, I, we're absolutely going to find that out because there, there's absolutely no need for it. I'm um, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. No. Unbelievable is the perfect word for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm totally blown by that one. Mabili, I know you got something to say about that one. Well, about a lot of things, but mm -hmm. I do want to know how uh, we move forward with this governor because we have a governor that has really been... Uh, 
putting a real chill, political chill on the cities. And how do the cities fight back? Because we have librarians who are afraid of going to jail. We have teachers who are afraid to speak and maybe go into jail. We have preemptions that have been put in place in order mm-hmm. to set this thing up. Right. So how do we move forward with a governor like this? And, and we're going to have a special session probably next week so that they can mm-hmm. put together his campaign platform for the U.S. presidency. Putting in more uh, types of arrestable offenses out there, election arrests. You know, I heard that the elections office has, has maybe one person working for it, and I think this one person was responsible for for snitching on all these people <laughs> who were just trying to vote. So now we got people afraid of going to jail in this state for voting. Mm-hmm. You know, so are we living in a police state, and how does the city of Tampa plan to respond? That's actually, a, that's a great question. Um Honestly, we have to do, we have to continue doing what we're doing. I mean, we have to, we're working for the people locally. That is our job. Um, and so what, whatever is within our power, um, for example, uh, bef- uh, we know that the six-week abortion ban is coming. Um, and they, they've talked about that. So I actually put a resolution in place saying that, that the city won't expend its funds, uh, you know, searching um, doctors and patients and, and spending money and time on that. Uh, and there was only one council member who supported me in that, and that was Orlando Goods. Mm. And the other council members were, uh, I, I can't speak to their rationale behind it, but wouldn't support that measure. And all of us was a resolution that wasn't even binding. We tried again with an ordinance because some council members said they would be uh, willing to do an ordinance and then weren't willing to do that. So it's, you got to have people who are willing to stand up to the way we can stand up. Um, uh, To go back to the earlier point about um, uh, execution drugs, Mm that was passed last year in 2021 that would just basically make it harder to find out the the cocktail of drugs that kill people and all of that and 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 Janet Cruz did vote for that mm-hmm. um even Jeff Brandeis didn't vote for that and jeez yeah um but here's the thing so what that did was set up what what um Governor DeSantis has his thoughts now. He wants to put something through the legislature that says that um, judges can override uh, death penalty decisions. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, um, <laughs> Andrew Warren, the city, uh, the attorney for Tampa, was fired by uh, DeSantis, mm-hmm. and the judge ruled that that firing was wrongful. But um, Andrew Warren was not given his job back. So it's funny to see the. Um, the contradictions and how he wants the legal system to work um, versus when it did work and he does nothing about it and there is no reversal versus how he he's wants a kid, he's a big kid. reversals to yeah. happen. He's a big kid, immature kid that's been given a tool, that's, that's been given a gun. He's an immature mm-hmm. kid that's been given a gun and he is he is completely out of control, completely out of control. What, what we're faced with really is a Gestapo um, government we're headed in that direction. Um, that is with, with a governor who is just taking total autonomy to do whatever the hell he thinks he wants to do. He, he, that he thinks is going to be viable, and it's not. It, 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 like, for instance, this black history thing, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you flat out. Um, it's a pun. It, 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 for 30 years, for 30 years, this was a law. It was a law. And I'm, I'm, there are several there are several agencies and several people that I can point the finger at that specifically are responsible for this not being put in place already, right? Um, and, and, and in Hillsborough County, our school board ought to be ashamed of itself. Hmm. It ought to be ashamed of itself. And I say that as a blanket statement only because there were people on the school board who did not do what should have been done immediately. There was a question, and it's always a question of um, of whether or not we should. This, that, that's not a question. It's a law. So we teach everybody else's history, but our history for some reason comes into question 
every time. Right? It has to be stripped back. And it is a law. Literally, there are laws for Jewish history. There are laws for American history. There are laws for everybody's history except for ours. And and, and when and, and except for ours that's followed. They do not follow the law as far as that's concerned. And so this governor comes along and basically strips us of this law. Right? By saying by by doing this with this this uh, uh critical race theory. Um it, 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 it basically stops public schools from being able to do exactly what they should have been doing for for 30 years. I have, now, a, I have a quick question, um, Councilwoman. Um, as your experience as a teacher and a union rep, how what are the um, policies in place for teachers to advocate for themselves? And mm-hmm. how is that in Florida, a right-to-work state? Kind of difficult. Um, <clears throat> I worked in Alachua County, so I don't know um, the difference, if, if, if it's different here. But, but generally, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we had lawyers that would advocate for teachers for issues. I mean, they were usually not these types of issues because that's not what we were dealing with at the time. Most of it was, um, you know, principals who didn't like teachers who, um, you know, worked against them, that that sort of thing. But I, I would expect that, that uh, well, they're also trying to... Um, kill unions again with another mm-hmm. bill going through the state Senate um, and uh, House. But but really, the, the main issue that we, that unions have the power to is to, to, to work together. Um, one, of the, one of the great things, and something I did while I was a union rep, was to go up to Tallahassee and lobby as part of the Florida Education Association. So working together, and that's, that's basically what needs to happen with all with these other areas. Now, I mean, I can't work outside of council chambers with my uh, fellow council members, um, I believe school board has the same um, sunshine rules and regulations, but the House doesn't and the Senate doesn't. And I think the answer is really going to be looking, it's going to be similar to what happened in Georgia. Georgia citizens decided they just wanted to band together to register people to vote, to make sure people got out to vote. I think it's going to take all of us Mm -hmm. working together to fight some of these things. And a lot of this, in my opinion, is putting social things out here that upset people to hide what's really going on, which is paying the insurance company billions of dollars and still making us uh, have to pay giant insurance premiums. So it's for me, they're absolutely the social stuff that's going on is terrible. But I think what the, they're trying to do is get people upset about that, so they're not seeing what's actually happening with the money in this state. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going to happen. Um, we've been told that that might might happen with this uh, special session. They're they're talking about the Disney thing, but I've heard they're going to try to slide something in about insurance as well. And we've already given insurance companies billions of dollars, which should help people. Mm-hmm. keep those um, rates low. And what that does is it's it's causing a, a lot of elderly folks who are on a fixed income. Mm-hmm. When, when that insurance rate rises, what are they going to do? They don't have the extra money to pay that. Are they going to have to sell their homes then? Mm-hmm. And then we're talking about the loss of generational wealth. Um, and you're talking about putting um, a lot of our older population in, in the being stuck with trying to figure out where they're going to live, how they're going to live. Um, it's it's wildly unfortunate. Right, and right now I have a personal experience with uh, an uncle of mine who is on a fixed income, and his income did go up substantially within this past year, but with the rising rents that are happening, especially here in Tampa, it's getting harder and harder for him to continue living on his own. And he's able to, and he wants to. And a lot of our elderly population can and should live on their own. That's what they've always done. And if they need help, then they sh- should be able to get help and it not be a scrounge for money. Um, and I really appreciate what you said about how, you know, we need to combine like our labor forces and our social movements mm-hmm. to fight against this because that's really how we win is together. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's- no, a hundred percent. And, uh, and, and that's, I feel like that's part of the, part of my job is to talk to as many people as possible to educate, uh, and to <coughs> listen to what the people 
want and then do it. And That's my job. And my experience in Tampa Bay CAC and my um, other members as well, we go to city council member or city council meetings frequently and we talk in the public forum section and the we've kind of had uh, discussions afterwards amongst ourselves and we feel that Lynn Hertag and uh, Goods um, and Carlson are some of the ones that not only listen to us, but will act on what the public is saying, not just us, but just like the public as a whole. They take every opinion and every um, uh, anything that's being said critically, and they think, how can I help with how can I help with my constituents? And I, I do really appreciate that because sometimes when I talk to council members, it feels like I'm talking to a brick wall, like it's just a head nod or a blank stare. And um, there's only certain people that can really kind of critically think about the information that they get from a multitude of sources. And I do think Lynn Herotech is one of those people. Well, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's a shame that we can't get people, more people like Lynn Herotech on the council because, you know, the reason why I asked the earlier question is because I see a city like Miramar, Florida, has passed a resolution to denounce the governor's uh, stripping away of the African-American studies program right. for high school students. So I would hope that the city of Tampa could pass sue a them. similar resolution. Mm -hmm. Sue them. Sue them. Sue them for it. We have every, we have every ability to sue them for this. The school board the school can. school board has every ability, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's the jurisdiction that needs to be stepping up. And that's why I'm saying, you know, this is, this is uh, an atrocity because they should have done this a while ago mm -hmm. when, when this started out. They should have just told them, look, screw you. We're suing you. And we're gonna we're gonna do it right. the way it needs to be done because we sat up there with with the um, with these these groups and we met like years ago about putting this to work and it just it's it's a it's a pain in the butt. Uh, we have callers on the line. Let's get these callers in, um, and we're going to uh, ask questions about housing next. Okay, so let's let's go to the get to our calls. Caller, you're on the Sunday forum. Hello. Yes. Hey, uh, yes, I had two questions I want to ask. Okay. Uh, I was very upset when I heard about uh, DeSantis. I'm sorry, I'm Shane. Uh, hey, Shane. I was very upset when I heard about DeSantis and what, how he's getting rid of black history uh, in the schools, the teaching of black history in the schools. And then I started researching, and I wanted to know, is it the reason why he did it? Because they actually, instead of them just using black history, lumped it in with gay history, or uh, uh, is that the reason why he is doing this? Yeah, he exploited that. He exploited yeah, that's what that he history. was saying, but that, that, that has nothing to do well, with if black they're history. doing it, I understand. I mean, I love my black people. <laughs> and if they're doing that, I understand him doing that. You know, I hate to be that guy who go with him when I don't like him, but I feel that if we're going to have black history, we should have just that. We don't, we don't have the gays and Jews. We don't have the gays and all the other stuff. Why would they jump in ours? I don't think that's right. Well, then, because it's truth. I mean, it's it was part of black history. They are resting. Was it? Yeah, I mean, that's the point. And it's not written out. You, you don't want ignorance. I mean, people exist. That's mm -hmm. part of human rights. And, and the oh, AIDS crisis. And the AIDS crisis primarily affected black gay people. And that's part of what, um, like, that our kids need to know is that things like this happen. Is well, that they, they need to... Uh, they can do their own history. Why, can't, why they have to be lumped into ours? Don't you think that it, by us always trying, us as blacks, always trying to fight everybody else's battles, maybe that's why we don't get our battles won. Or maybe why, you know what I'm saying, because... <laughs> I mean, I ain't got nothing against them, but I don't think, I don't want to fight. They fight. I got my fight. We ain't, we haven't finished this fight here. Yeah, but yeah, we have black, but that. we have black gays in, in our community. So uh, we're no, also fighting that We too. don't have black gays. Okay. I'm saying that why do we, can't, why can't we just fight our own fight? I mean, we got, we got our, our community is full of a lot of things. And by us fighting a lot of things, we never get anything done in our community. We've been fighting everybody else's fight, and they've been going on, doing well. But I, I, I see. I, let, me, let me just say this, brother. Yes, um, I, I get your point, but I think I, I also understand the context by which, by which you're. I think the context by which you're asking this or, or saying this is getting lost. Okay, um, 
and the, so let, let me give you an example of something that that's very important for us. Okay, um, do you know Bayard Rustin? Do you know the name Bayard Rustin? Who? Bayard Bayard Rustin. B A Y A R D. Do no. you know who that was? No. Okay. Bayard Rustin was the man who was really responsible for organizing the bus boycott in 1955. Okay, he taught Dr. Martin Luther King and those who were in Alabama at the time uh, what they needed to do in order to be able to be effective in their boycotting efforts, right? Okay. And it's what made it successful. Uh, Bayard Rustin was a gay black man. Okay. Who was what who was a journalist? What did he have to do with? I mean, I don't know. I get. I don't know. I, I, just just hear what I'm about to say. Hear what I'm about to say to you. Hear what I'm about to say to you, brother. That, but this is this is what. That's crazy. Like, I, no, I get. Listen to what I'm saying to you, man. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Okay. Listen to what I'm saying to you. I I get what you're saying, but I'm what I'm what I'm explaining to you is the context under which it is it 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 has always been a part of our. Black history. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? For instance, uh, no, you, no. When, when we talk about when we talk about the NAACP, for instance, right, and its founding, we cannot talk about the NAACP and its founding without without uh, without explaining how it was founded, how it was funded, and so we we mention names that have to be mentioned as a part of. The historical facts. Do you understand what I'm saying? I I, I get what you're saying, and I agree. I, I listen to what I'm saying to you, brother. Please, I agree with you that we ought not to we ought not to allow anything. We, the, for instance, let, let me give you another example. Of something multiculturalism, right? Um, multiculturalism. Uh, I, I'm one of those people who's a proponent. For I, you know, I agree with multiculturalism, but where I disagree with multiculturalism is with it replacing mm -hmm. Black history. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The, we, yeah. we, 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 now, now, understand, but understand the context in which I'm saying that. At the same time that I that I agree with the concept of multiculturalism, is the same time that I'm saying to you it ought not to be integrated into black history from the standpoint of it diluting it and then everything else gets lost. We we have to have but but we have to consider black internationalism and we have to and we have to we have to consider pan africanism. Those two things cannot be ignored when we talk about black history. One of the biggest mistakes in historiography in writing history is the is is where is where we only talk about black history and begin at slavery, for instance. Okay, that's a bad thing to do. It's also a bad thing to do to consider that when we talk about black history, that we that we ignore certain people who are who are a part of history. We cannot ignore a Bayard Rustin. We cannot ignore um, uh, uh, a, a Septimia Severus, right? Do you know who Septimius Severus was? I don't think that we should ignore anyone. But what I'm saying is, why do we have to talk about things that should... As kids, me and you, we're pretty old. I'm 56 now. I ain't no old, man. What you talking about? Huh? What you talking about, 56, man? I'm, man, listen, dude. I turn 50 next week, bro. We are not, we are not doing this right now on air. We're old. We're old. <laughs> At the dining table, we didn't talk sexuality. We didn't talk. Parents didn't talk that. They, we wasn't taught that way. Now, all of a sudden, we must, as black people, they want to push uh, another person's sexuality on us. Put it on theirs, then. I mean, why can't we put this part, part of white history month? Uh, Jews, it was plenty of gay Jews, plenty of gay white folks. You know what I'm saying? Well, they do that. They they, they, they do the same thing. It's happening. It, it, it happens, bro. That they're doing that. They're doing that. They are doing that, and it's so it's a why, part of who. It's, it's a new it's a new study. It's a new study, truthfully, uh, mm -hmm. that that is emerged in in uh, in Africana studies, for instance. It, it, actually, I say it's new, but it really isn't new. It's something that has always been studied in Africana studies um, within within our own culture. Okay. Right. Okay. So so okay. I, I, I get what, what you're saying, but just just know that 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 is. Uh, there, there's a there's a context under which it is done. 
appropriate. Well, the other question I want to ask you, because I know we're going to see how to eye on that. That's, I, I mean, because I, I just feel that fighting too, we're fighting too many, we've got too many irons in the fire. We're not going to melt the steel. So, uh, the other question I was asking, like, my granddaughter goes to school over here in Polk County. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the teachers. She had a teacher that was, um, she was telling us that our granddaddy was doing, she was doing bad in school and, and her attitude come to find out because, you know, my son never wanted her to go to a community outside of our community schools. It's like six black kids in her class. Mm-hmm. And she's been being mistreated by the teacher. And it just came all out. And I've been thinking for, since the beginning of this year, we've been pressing her and threatening her and all this right here. When you got teachers that don't believe in your kids, why are we still worrying about them educating our kids? We got a lot of y'all. I'm not, I may not be, but there's a lot of y'all out there who are brilliant teachers. Why don't we start going back like it was? When we can educate our own kids and then we can choose what we should learn. Like the Jews got their little school. We need to get us a little school. We, we have we, we, we have but we have private schools. We have private schools, we got charter schools and all that. Well, it's, 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 if, if that's if that's what you want. If if that's what you want, brother, and, and you want your child to go to that or grandchild to go to that, take them to it. They they exist. Those exist. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, I get what you're saying, and there are schools that do exist like that in Hillsborough County. And, and and beyond. So definitely um, make sure uh, uh, you know that you that you that you that you look into that and get them to that school. They they exist. They certainly exist. And you do have to say about what is being taught in those schools in those uh, in those schools. Right. And with the public school system now, we need to make sure that um, not only the kids who live in the communities who like that is their history black history is their history that they have a chance to learn about it and as well as people who are not in their communities because as soon as we start dividing ourselves um that creates a problem because in order to understand our allies we need to know their struggles we need to know how best to um help them and how we can everybody's not our ally some of our adversaries that hang around us but some people just don't have like the option to go into a charter school a pri- uh, public school really is the only option and so we want to make sure that every kid who goes to public school has an option to learn about their history I'm with you on there I think that's really important for kids to know their own history and for their friends to know the history through and through well let's I tell you what we're going to have, we are going to have a discussion about this. I think it's, it's important that we do have a discussion about that um, because there, I, I get what he's saying. I understand mm-hmm. what, what he's saying. Um, but what I want, but what I'm trying to convey on the other side is that there is a context by which this is, this is done appropriately so that our history is not lost and that the focus, the focal point of our history is not diluted in some way. Where we're focusing in on somebody's sexuality or somebody's, you know, just you know things that aren't that have nothing to do truthfully with with the history of the people. You get yeah. what I'm saying? It's that, all about it's all about contributions. Everybody yeah, made contributions, and to try to lock people out of knowledge, lock the kids out of the knowledge of those all of those contributions is a is a travesty. And I think sending people to jail. Sending teachers to jail and librarians to jail is is well, just not the way yeah. to go. That's fascism. That is fascism. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, no question about it. Um, um, so let, let's go to our next caller. Okay, caller, you're on the Sunday forum. Okay. Good morning. Uh, the toilet staff of PR, like I posted Walter, toilet staff PR plus the lack of disclosure equals BS. And if the end is the start, then humanure is the product, and that's what we have here also in Pinellas County with our reclaimed water being, uh, the nasty water being sprayed all over people's lawns, riding around, and that's just the awful, um... He's trailing off yeah, a lot. we can't, yeah. We can't, I'm sorry about that, man. We can't... We, yeah, okay, we, next... You know, something's going on with you, Mike. All right, next caller. You're on the Sunday Forum. Hi, good morning. I uh, want to make a couple statements, then I do have a question... For Lynn Hurtock, 
Uh, I was a little bit surprised that the gentleman didn't know who Bayard Rustin was, and that also she had uh, did a sit-in on a bus 10 years before Rosa Parks organized the 250,000 people march in Washington, D.C. And if you read the book, what would Martin say? Clarence Jones, his legal advisor, was that because he was gay, they did not put him in the forefront. Uh, as far as the uh, Black History AP, the new curriculum also came out February 1, about 200 and some pages. You can read it. Uh, if you're going to talk about black history, I do hope that you talk about Edward Blyden, Bayard Rustin, uh, Frederick Douglass. They were black Zionists. And I also hope you talk about someone like Lovett um, Forrest Whiteman, who was the first African-American in 1919 who signed up on the Communist Party, died in Russia in the Gulag, which possibly could have happened to Brittany Griner. Hmm. Uh, as far as Angela Davis, she was acquitted by an all-white jury. Now... My question for Lynn is, I don't have a dog in the fight because I live in Lakeland. How does someone on the radio continue to propose the station about authentic experiences when Connie Francis, Connie, Bur Connie Burton, was up for the same position that Lynn got and didn't have the opportunity I did not see anyone protest in the streets for Connie Burton. Then you have Lynn Kurtak. How does she get the authentic experience for the black community when you could have had a black activist in there? Okay, Lynn? Lynn, <laughs> you know the answer to that? Um, well, uh... I mean, I'm not the one that voted to put me on council. Um, that was the six other members. Um, but again, since joining council uh, and with my, my, my prior work and the work I've been doing, um, I'm open to working with any community. Can I speak for other communities? No. But can I give them a voice to the best of my ability? Yes, that I'm not going to be able to speak for every community because I'm, I only can, can speak to my history, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to listen and then I'm not going to incorporate what the community says. And I, I think I've done that. I think I've, I mean, I, I'm always willing to talk more because I have a ton more to learn. But that's something I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm perfectly willing to to say is that I'm happy to continue the education process. Education is lifelong. Okay, uh, we'll go to the next caller. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Well, listen. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? I know. <laughs> let, let me let me uh, let me reiterate that point is that and, and and even make it clear. Um. While there are, you know, that was a, a choice that was made. It wasn't a regular election or anything like that. It's a citywide election, if, in case you don't know that. It's a citywide election for this particular seat that Lynn uh, is, is going for right now and currently sits in. So, um, yes, uh, Connie Burton did, if, if I recall, I think she was. One of the people that signed up for this particular mm -hmm. seat, I believe. I, I'm not, I think that's the yes, so. Yes, yes. Okay, all right. Now, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Ms. Burden was not chosen by the other six members of city council. If, if that's what, you know, if that's, I'm not sure if that's what you're asking about how that happened or whatever. But what I do know is this, um, is that, uh, Connie Burton, without question, uh, would have served well, just as well as anybody else would have served uh, in that particular seat. Uh, but what we're faced with right now, let's, let's not be distracted 
from what the realities are of, of where we are right now. Where we are right now is that we have a we, we have um, an election that's about to take place, or that's taking place right now, and campaigning that's taking place right now. And we need to know who are who, who the opponents are, who the candidates are, and understand where they come from and what they stand for. That's what we need to be focusing in on. Uh, you know, we cannot. No, there, Connie Burton is not protesting anything having to do with this at all. As a matter of fact, Connie Burton has been sending in information, and we've been kept from being able to ask the information, um, all of it, um, in this session. But we will have an opportunity in the post-show discussion to do it. So let me just say this to everybody out there. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunday Forum uh, each and every Sunday from 8 to 10. We really appreciate your waking up on Sunday morning and joining us uh, for this. We are going to go out to Talib Kweli's, uh clean version of Get By as we as we bid farewell to our dear friend, uh, Lady Yumiko, we love you, honey. <laughs> yes. And as always, from our voice to the radio waves to the hearts and the minds of the people, we love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it here on the Sunday Forum. Thank you very much for coming in, Lynn Hurtek. And Thanks we will for having see you me. again. We will definitely oh, see yeah. you again. I'll no come question. back anytime. All right. Peace to everybody out there. Yeah.